0: What up, what up, what up? You are locked in with Big Ray and Bumpus, sports-driven, socially conscious. I'm Ray Roberts, and I'm sharing the ones and twos with my man, Michael Bumpus. This is episode three, and the title of our episode is Money, 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 Money. (laughs) Russell Wilson's money, Frank's money, and the money you need to purchase a ticket to see a top college basketball, uh, some of the top college basketball teams in the country. And after the first 30 seconds of the Duke-North Carolina game, uh, we're going to be talking about Nike's money and Zion Williams' money. All right. Big Ray and Bumpus is brought to you by Guild Mortgage, started by one, built by many. Go to guildmortgage.com to find your loan officer today. You can follow both Mike and I individually on Twitter, at BigRay72 and at MichaelBumpus5, as well as our podcast Twitter account, at BigRayandBumpus. And... The thing about the At Big Ray and Bumpus is you have to add the symbol and, and not not the word not the and. word and. Do you know what that symbol is called, Michael?
1: I did not get that at my Washington State education. Don't well, know what that is.
0: I will tell you that I'm gonna perpetrate like I got that at the UVA <laughs> education, but I did. I looked it up because I want to be able to tell people it's called a ambersand.
1: Ambersand.
0: And it's it's Latin for merging. Okay. So they. The, the symbol is actually a merging of the letter E and the letter T, which in Latin is and. Okay. So they merged them together and came up with that symbol. So there you go. I just so got educated. We're very, that's, that's what we do here, Big Mike. <laughs> so, um, so you can also find us on uh, Anchor. Uh, I think it's anchor.com. Yep. And also with their other podcast affiliates, uh, Spotify, as well as um, uh, Apple iPodcast. iPodcast iPodcast. Uh, so big big Mike. Um any, any words of of uh, introduction that you want to make? Hey, you know, I in? just I
1: just thank you. I just want to say what's up to the people. It's a beautiful uh, morning here in the Northwest. is. Uh, we're out here in Kirkland. We changed the office up a little the bit. The
0: honeycomb hot out grew
1: wings. Honeycomb, hey, we we <laughs> done moved out the honeycomb. We might go back though. You never forget where you're from. You're so, right. So you're we right. might we might move back. But now I'm just happy to be here, ready for another great episode.
0: Yeah, well, I'm ready to jump in here with you, Big Mike. And um, so we're gonna just dive right in, uh, and we're gonna start out with Russell Wilson. And this seemingly far-fetched rumor regarding his tenure in Seattle. Let me uh, give you a little backstory here. Uh, according to Colin Cowherd of FS1, uh, Cowherd noted the rumor was coming from the entertainment and agent world, mm-hmm. the entertainment agent world, and um, and that he said everybody will likely deny it, but suggested Wilson to the Giants would make sense. And here's what he says: Wilson's wife is Sierra. She is a singer and an entertainer. She would prefer to live in New York. The Giants need a quarterback. And there's nobody in the draft they love. So just remember this, a lot of things add up. Last year of Russell Wilson's contract, his wife would prefer New York. Seattle is not an entertainment mecca. The Giants need a star quarterback to replace Eli Manning. So what would you have to say about that, Big Mike?
1: All all of that sounds good. It makes sense. Sierra wants to be in New York, uh, one of the capitals of entertainment. Um, Russell seems like the type who supports his wife and everything that she does. If you see him on Instagram, he makes me look bad as a husband <laughs> because uh, he's really in tune but with it, his I've feelings. The, I've also
0: seen the post where they say Sierra wears the pants but I'm not going to go there. You know, I'm just saying the dude good
1: thing. I'm not going to go there either. I'm just going to say he's extremely supportive. Right. He's been in Seattle for what, seven years now? Mm-hmm. He's won his uh, his Super Bowl. He's had success in the regular season so, and in so the Mike, post I'm season. So Mike, I'm
0: about to do the double dutch thing. It double sounds like you're saying that maybe he has outgrown Seattle
1: I'm saying that it's a possibility because he loves his wife and he's accomplished <laughs> almost everything there is to accomplish as a football player in Seattle I don't think he's gonna go but I'm thinking that at night you know how that pillow talk goes babe what do you think about New York you know Russell he's not gonna shoot it down he's gonna have a conversation about it that's Russell
0: Wilson he's not He's not gonna shoot down her her ideas and her dreams and aspirations you know? so 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 you're kind of saying that not that I'm giving any credit to this rumor, mm-hmm. but let's say the rumor is somewhat true. Maybe yeah. it's a conversation someone had on the side and, and someone else heard it just you know passing by. nothing really serious to it, but it sounds as if you're saying Russell Wilson isn't that s- sold on just being here for the rest of his career. Like there, like the, there could be something that pulls him away. But he seems like a Northwest dude. He has the investment in the, the basketball team and the baseball team in Portland, all that kind of stuff. So um, what about that makes you think that there's something about his wife and her desires that could make him move? Um, I think that he's just a real family guy, and he wants to make
1: everybody happy. He's not the guy – I don't see him as a guy who takes controversy head on and – him and Sierra I feel like they haven't even had a heated argument in their marriage yet
0: (laughs) you know what I mean
1: I think they're 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 gonna listen to each other they're gonna sit down and talk about feelings and pros and cons and I'm sure Sierra seems like a smart woman I'm sure she comes with with her pros and cons and Russell comes with his pros and cons I'm not saying he's going I'm not saying he's staying I'm saying there's definitely a conversation being had about his whereabouts and think about it most guys don't Spend their whole career with one franchise. If the guys do, they're most likely their quarterbacks. But shoot, even Joe Montana played for the Chiefs. But that was know, in the end, too. In, like in his it career. Wasn't, wasn't like in the prime. He's, he's of still, his still, though. Hey, Brett Favre still <laughs>
0: played for the Vikings. That's true. You know, I just, I don't, I don't, just, uh, it, it was an interesting, uh, rumor. That's why I texted it to you as soon as I saw it. And I'm like, dude, mm-hmm. did, you, did you see this? And then, and then I hadn't really researched it as much either. But then as I researched it and just listened to it, like, it has the elements of something that could happen, yeah. but it doesn't have the probability of something that that could happen. Mm-hmm. It, 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 I think it created really good news for a slow news I think day. So, you know, NBC but, jumped on it too. Oh yeah, they, they jumped on mm-hmm. it fast. I mean, because there, there are elements, even even Russell's you know New York Yankee uh, affiliation. You know, mm-hmm. I think he, he, I don't know if he's going to spring training with them this this uh, this to. spring or not. Yeah. But and so you know he spent time back there and like so people will say, well. What is it that he can get in New York that he can't get here because mm-hmm. he's this big name and I don't know man I lived on the on the East Coast for about five years yeah um uh, and Russell Wilson's name wasn't it wasn't carrying like that mm-hmm. back back on the East Coast the way people I think think that he's like this big international or national star anyway I think he's he's a He's a big name, but I don't think it carries the way a lot of people might think. Do you think that's just because we are in the Northwest? I think they they see our games late. You know, NBA games start at like
1: eight o'clock here, and it's eleven over there. Like they don't watch our sports. I would say
0: a lot of the the national coverage has to do with that, but also Russell Wilson. um, I mean, his play is spectacular, but I can't say that his I can't say that his persona is that way. Mm -hmm. Like like he has his local, you know, regional. Uh, endorsements and things like that but I don't know how well that plays in like New York or North Carolina or you know Florida when he's out here So, Mm so the idea that maybe if he's there that there's nothing to gain if he went to New York. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's true either. Like it, it, it's not that he has to be in New York to get what he needs, but he could get, I think, a little bit more exposure, been in that market, you know, been, uh, you know, on on those news circuits and media circuits, mm-hmm. day in and day out. They'd fall in love with following him. Have all Have you over seen
1: the, place. the evolution of Russell Wilson though? His first year, he used to wear Hawaiian button-ups with cargo shorts (laughs) to games and stuff, and he's slowly evolving. His hair got a little tighter. His speech got a little more swaggy.
0: He married Sierra. His fit game is on point now. Oh, yeah. There's little sports coats he started wearing. He's
1: evolving, so it seems like he's trending towards trying to be a superstar and being in a bigger market like New York or if LA was open or something like that so if you just look at the evolution of Russell Wilson as a person and a um, I guess marketability he's trending in that direction he's kind of stepping away from Seattle because Seattle's low-key you know it's not it's it's not a it's not a, a small market but it's not a big market it's, it's right. somewhere in the middle so yeah. if I'm looking at just his personality and just how he's changed as a person I can see him going there but then I look at the money Yeah. If Seattle were to franchise him, he's getting 30 mil next year. They do it again, he gets 32. By 2022, if they keep franchising him, he's gonna get fifty mil. It's not gonna get there. (laughs) It's not gonna get there. But there's reason for him to stay in this work that franchise.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) And so uh, and you know, that's why like even just looking at that. It would be like a three-year process Mm -hmm. to get Russell Wilson out here, or it would have to be one of the biggest trades in the history of the NFL. And then you look at the Chicago Bears who traded for uh, Khalil Mack, and they got uh, uh, two first-round picks, a third-round pick, and a sixth-round pick. And so um, Russell Wilson would – would demand more than that so I I can't imagine this ever happening but it did make for you know great conversation it was a headline hitter but like I said I think there's like you can list all the reasons like we just did like why uh, but the probability of it happening is is just very low and then the, the other thing too like even if Russell is trending towards this more edgier Russell he still plays it safe and you can't play it safe in New York, bro, mm-hmm. And but you can play it safe in Seattle, mm-hmm. and, and and that plays really well here. And so I, I think just from his core personality, it plays better in Seattle well, than he, it would in New he York. He has more of a personality than
1: Eli Manning, though. Eli's been there for, what, 10, 12 years? Yeah, that's true. You know, Eli, I know nothing about the guy. He's yeah. Peyton Manning's little brother, Archie's son. Like right. His and the only time he really shines is when he's on screen with Peyton Manning. He brings out his personality a bit. So Russell has way more of a personality than Eli Manning. You would yeah, think I'm he's more saying, I'm not saying he
0: doesn't have a personality. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying the way Russell like is. I guess Eli never did this either. I don't. I never followed Eli closely enough, but. You know, Russell's not going to call someone out. He's not going to engage adversity. True. You know, all those kind of things. He's going to thank everybody in the room. Mm-hmm. You know, even the people that aren't in the room but were in the room <laughs> last year. He's going to thank them too. And then when you remind him that that dude is no longer here, he's still going to thank he's him. Still gonna thank you him. know what <laughs> I'm saying? So uh, and so, uh, so I think that part of Russell is played better here than there. Even though, you know, like you said, Eli Manning, not like he was having like dynamic press conferences either. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, you, you may have a point there, but I, I just feel like. I just feel like, I just feel like he doesn't have the edge to be yeah to, to go there. No, I, I'm with it. you. I yeah. think he fits best in the Northwest. I think mm-hmm. this is perfect for him. He can he his best he in the Northwest. That sounds like a car dealership exactly. Uh, ad or something. Right
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, this dude can run for governor. I feel like if he wanted to, eventually he can yeah. run for mayor. You know, it, the people love him out here in New York. I think they would be a little rough on him, and he's a nice guy. I don't yeah. know if he's ready for he, that. And,
0: and you know what? Like, uh, I know a little bit of. His history. Uh, my my daughter played basketball with his sister in uh, Richmond, Virginia. They were on an AAU team that won like the national championship, and so I got to meet Russell's mom and his sister. And they're they're very loyal folks. Not loyal to where you're going to expect him to give the the Seahawks a hometown discount, like not like yeah, that. Yeah. But just uh, but loyal to uh, what he's committed to and what he's worth. It'd be interesting to see if you ask Russell, um, you know, if he was willing to. Uh, go on the record to say he wants to spend the rest of his career here, mm-hmm. or if he would just kind of fudge it some way to make it mm-hmm. to give himself an out. He yeah. doesn't tend to back himself into the corners like he, that. He but plays it safe. It right? would be interesting to see if someone could like pin him in to yeah. see what kind of response he would get. Yeah. Now he danced all around that thing. <laughs> he danced all around that, <laughs> like Sammy Davis Jr. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but anyway, that's uh, that's that's our talk about uh, Russell Wilson's money. Um, just want to remind you guys. That you can follow us uh, and find this episode on Twitter at BigRay72, at Michael Bumpus5, and at yes, BigRay and Bumpus. So we're gonna step away and then we'll be right back with more of Ray, Big Ray and Bumpus. What up, what up, what up? We're right back. At it here with Big Mike, and uh, we just finished talking about the 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 crazy rumors about Russell Wilson going to crazy n- the New York Giants. He ain't going nowhere. Not going anywhere, bro. That nah. just I mean, it was, was kind of cool to kind nice of talk about, about, it, though, yeah, though, right? You know, it was just <laughs> something to do on a, on a nice sun, sunny day here in Seattle. But we're gonna go from Russell Wilson's money, and I'm gonna give you three words. Okay. And then we're gonna talk about that. All right. Those three words are. Frank Clark's money. Frank Clark's money. Frank Clark's money. It, 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 think about this. Frank Clark's salary, I think, this year was like nine hundred thousand. Hell of a deal. And he's about to get to come up. Like, like you oh,
1: secure that bag, Frank. Yes.
0: Yeah. Let me just read. Let me just. Let me just give you a little background. So Frank Clark turns twenty-six in June. Had a career best thirteen sacks last season. His 33 sacks since 2016 ranked ninth in the league, and his 2,045 defensive snaps in that span are fewer than the eight players ahead of him, according to ESPN stats and information. Of the 21 players with at least 25 sacks since 2016, Clark's average of a sack every 63.9 snaps ranks seventh. Last year, Khalil Mack signed an extension that puts him at an average of about $23 million per. Ansaw uh, and in Detroit and Lawrence and Dallas played last season on a one year, $17 million franchise tag. So, Frank Clark, if you get franchise tagged, some people, you know, this goes back to what we were saying the other day. Some people think that that's a loss.
1: That is not a loss. But if I'm
0: losing upward. Exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. Well, if I'm going from 900,000 bumpus to $18 million, talk to me. Take the money.
1: <laughs> Right, that that blows my mind. Maybe I'm just not in the right task tax bracket to talk about this, but if you're gonna tell me, all right, I'm only gonna sign for one year, but you're gonna get this money, don't worry about it. And if if the organization's telling him, Hey, take this L, I guess, since you're only getting franchised, you're getting seventeen mil, and we'll work on something for the future, if I'm dealing with the Seattle Seahawks, I believe them. Now, if I'm dealing with the Bengals, or I'm dealing <laughs> right, with the Browns, right, right. it's a different story. Right. You gotta look at this look at the history it, it, of organizations. It, it matters who you're talking you. to. Yeah. So if yeah. I'm Frank, man, just take the money and don't see it as disrespect. If it was disrespect, they wouldn't even offer you the franchise and they go try to get Antonio Brown or something with right. that money. You know what I mean? Take the money, Frank. No. You balled out. They're gonna take care of you. I believe the Hawks will take care of Frank Clark at the end of the day.
0: Well the 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 other thing too is that Frank Clark this year whether it's a you know people always buy into it, oh it's a contract year you're going to do whatever play better whatever it is but frank clark has played with the same intensity from the minute he got here mm-hmm. and then the one year when he's asked to really step up and and take more of the snaps and take the responsibility of being the main pass rusher he has his best his best year mm-hmm. so you can say like oh it's a contract year of course you're going to play better it's like well no he, he's he, he played this way from the very beginning. You always were like, man, if he got more snaps, I wonder what he could do. Mm-hmm. But he was sharing snaps with Cliff Averill and Michael Bennett, and so he he wasn't being able he wasn't able to get on the field the way he was. And then the 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 one year that they said, hey, dude, we're, we need you to be the guy. He he was that guy. And the thing mm-hmm. about Frank is that the dude defends the run too. He is, when they talk about the NFL about like uh uh you know closing that that edge, not letting them get to the edge. Yeah, like. It's, it's very hard for an offensive tackle to get to the outside shoulder of Frank Clark. He yeah. does a very good job of securing the edge and allowing those inside linebackers to come running up and the pursuit to come to, to make those tackles on the outside. And, uh, and, and even with the contract deal, he's, he's, he's said all the right things throughout the season. He mm-hmm. put it behind him. Hey, I'm just going to play. Let that thing speak for itself. Uh, his agent, uh, Eric Burkhart, um, said that they're not scared of the franchise tag because uh, exactly. like last year they had two players that played on, on it for $17 million and this year the rate will probably be about $18 million. Yeah, so he can play on the franchise tag and then come back Twelve months later, and you know, possibly have mm-hmm. a long-term deal. So, and what's um, and what's wrong with
1: asking a guy to prove it too? Right, like I said, he had his best year as a professional. Yeah. Man, we'll give it a 17, 18, and go out and, and give a decent year. I feel like if he goes out and has 10, 11 sacks, right. you know, they'll pay the man because it's hard to get guys on that line with double-digit sacks. And if you can lock down a guy like Frank Clark, you got an opportunity to. But you're asking him to prove it for another year, I see nothing wrong with that. It's not like you're asking you to prove it and you're still getting this 900000
0: Well, here, here's, I agree with you 100%, but I'm going a, I'm to a play the devil's advocate. Do here, it. Right. So some people will say it's not what's on the field that he needs to prove, it's the off the field. Off the field. You know, so you know the controversy around him been drafted here after being arrested for uh, assaulting his, his girlfriend mm-hmm. in college and then uh, you know then he did some kind of immature things on the field here and then what was it two seasons ago when he got in a fight with a Fetty mm-hmm. and you know pretty much knocked him out I was literally standing five feet away from that fight really yeah it was it was the whole thing was ridiculous like from when it started that was at the end of it but the whole entire offensive line was in a fist fight not like a football, Hit the helmet fight yeah. with the entire defensive line. Wow! And then that was a punch that happened at the very end, but got the biggest response because the got hurt in it. But mm-hmm. everybody was out there throwing bolos, dude. I mean, like and, it was it was straight fighting. And that happens <laughs> yeah. in <the> NFL <laughs> yeah, every year. There's a scrap with every team, guarantee.
1: Right. So you think people kind of blew that out of proportion? Well, a little I bit? think
0: I think some fans look at it and say like they haven't seen enough change in him that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, not necessarily what he does on the field, but you know we were We were in and around we were around the Seahawk organization all last year, yeah. for the last couple of years and And I took a particular interest in watching Frank Clark. And when we interviewed him, when I watch him practice, when I hear his teammates talk about him, when I hear the coaches talk about him. They all talk about his ability to lead. When you talk, when you listen to him talk, he sounds like a leader in the defensive line. Room. When he talks, when you hear the young guys talking about how he embraces him, how he leads, how he challenges, like how he, he shows them how to work. Uh, and I think it's really—I don't think a lot of people have bought into that yet because they still look at that and go, like, yeah, but that's the dude that punched his teammates. Because teammate it's in only the been a year, right? Yeah. So
1: just like you have to prove your play, now you have to prove your behavior to the organization and the community and make yourself worth. This big paycheck, right? And I think he'll do that. And like you said, man, it, it's been a 180 with this dude. He yes. seems happier. He's still intense. He's still mean on the field. I haven't heard about him getting in any kind of trouble. So, like Russell was trending towards New York, so to say, <laughs> right, he's right, right. trending towards <laughs> a franchise guy, not the franchise tag, but a guy you want to keep around you know, for the long run.
0: Well, you, you just said something that that uh, made me kind of laugh inside. You said that he he's turning around 180 degrees, 180. When I was in um, Detroit, mm-hmm. we had this uh, offensive line – I mean, this offensive coordinator named uh, uh, – gosh, what is his name? Sylvester Crooms. He ended mm-hmm. up being the head coach at Mississippi State. Played at Alabama, All-American, African-American uh, lineman. His first meeting with us, he was like – all right, guys, we're gonna come in here and we're gonna turn this thing around 360 <laughs> degrees. <laughs> and so, honestly, like, honestly, it bumpers, my hand went straight up in the air. Like, I can't, I, yeah. I, I gotta get I, it. I gotta get, and get so it. And so he's like, what do, you, what do you have, Robert? So I was like, hey, coach, like, if we go 360 degrees, that's right back where we started. This is the like, first minute. <laughs> you calling them out? Yeah. First am I like, I'm, I'm like, dude, that's, that's, that that means we're not we're right, gonna be right, right back right back right, right where we started. You know what I mean? <laughs> we're gonna have the same conversation over and over and over again. And he was just like, "You fucking guys from Virginia," <laughs> and I was like, "I was like, I'm just saying, man, like." Like we want to go 180. Like I don't know if we want to do that 360 thing, bro. Like like we we, <laughs> we want to go the other over way. Here. Yeah, we we're we trying to get some wins to get into the playoffs, but uh <laughs> but anyway, it, it's when you said it, it, every time I hear someone say we're going to turn something around, I always wait to see if they're going to say yeah. 360 yeah. degrees or 180 degrees. I, I can't
1: lie, uh for a while I was a 360 guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know then i got they got i got a little wiser a little older i'm like hold up man come like, on hold now hold up wait a that's minute that's 180 clearly <laughs> we got to be going
0: 180. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah but no get back to frank man i just i don't know i think i, I think i'm a good judge judgment uh, i have good judgment of character and and, and you know i've watched people and uh, and just seeing him week after week be the same person show up mm-hmm. every time this year. Like, there wasn't any – even when there were questions that were trying to set him up to kind of glorify himself or whatever, he still spoke team first. He still talked about his guys or their guy. you know, that, that defensive line room. He gave credit to other other players. And so, to me, uh, if you're faking it, that's really hard to do because sooner mm-hmm. or later someone's going to catch you with something or yep. going to catch you in a moment when you're in your feelings or after a game, a bad game or a tough loss or whatever. And then, and then what you're really – if you're faking it, what you're really thinking is going to come out. Yeah, and. That never, that never happened this and, year.
1: And especially after losses. Yes. Like, you talk to him, It's all good when you talk to a guy after they just beat so-and-so 30 to 15 or whatnot. But how is he going? What's his interviews like after that Rams loss? Right. You know, after the Dallas loss. And I remember hearing his interviews and thinking, this guy's bought in. He's a right. clear leader. He's saying all the right things. And like you said, it doesn't seem forced and it doesn't seem fake. And he right. was consistent with his approach. And just like you want guys to be consistent on the football field with their play they got to be consistent in all parts of their life because this is an investment you're going to drop this money on this guy you got to be able to trust him and he's proven that in my yeah, opinion
0: like I, I remember we interviewed him in london the joker like pretty much came right off the field right to our our table to do it anyway he still had his uniform on mm-hmm. i think he well maybe he had his shoulder pads off because he made everybody like look feel really inferior because that Joker is <laughs> yoked up yeah uh, Big but, boy. but, but he even in that moment gave credit to, to the to everyone else around him, and in that moment, from the field to where we were, we were basically in the hallway from the from the field to the locker room, there's no way he could have just turned it on just like that. It was mm-hmm. like, okay, let me make sure I get my company line down. Yeah. That was all 100% Frank Clark, and so that's what to me makes makes his. Um, his the way he went about doing his work and the mm-hmm. way he, he carried himself as a leader on the team, uh, it just made it feel a lot more authentic. Like yep. it felt like this is this is this dude has really turned a corner and it's really cool to see that for a guy that came into league uh, with so much doubt. You know, because there were times when you didn't know if he was even gonna make the team or mm-hmm. if they're gonna keep him around. then yeah. he knocks out a Fetty. like they're gonna get rid of him. And uh, but now, like. You need him. Uh, this team the defense thrives on having a bunch of pass rushers and dudes can get after the ball. And uh, I think he's a guy that hopefully they can either get to a franchise tag or give him a long term deal yep. so he can be around here for years to come. Keep him here, he's young, twenty six. Keep him around, man. Yeah, and, and you don't want to you've already invested the time and energy into it. You don't want someone else to reach out. You've the developed him, it. right? Absolutely. So we're gonna keep talking about money. And uh, we just talked about uh, Russell Wilson's money, and then we just talked about Frank Clark's money, and we have a few more monies to be talking about. So we'll be right back with you uh, after taking this small break. Money, 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 money. Money. <laughs> start it. Let's start a group. Let's, hey, we might start, I, I was watching. Have you seen the, the show on Netflix about uh, Sam um, uh, Cook? No, I haven't. No, yeah. Oh, no. You, you should. You should watch it. It's it, it's called uh, the double killing. I think it is of, of uh, Sam Cook because okay. you know he's R and B legend, but they were talking yep. about there's some behind the scene things that he was doing um, that they felt was a threat. To, he was doing so. He was getting educated by the Nation of Islam, even though he wasn't in the Nation. Uh-huh. He was just using him for the, the education piece, and he was being mentored by like Muhammad Ali and and Jim Brown. Oh, and so he, like, he was Public Enemy Number One. Yeah, and he and and because his music was so popular, mm-hmm. he had the that ear influence. of a, of a group of you know of white folks yeah. back then that uh-huh. were that wanted to hear him. So it was interesting. Um, but your your high note right there, you like that? He. He he would go there. Every yeah, now and oh, yeah. And then. Oh, it yeah. was good stuff. So I'm Disney surprised like, I got that out. It was, it was early. I like got we that out. They should call the or something like that. You know, back, that back in the back in the had those names like yeah, that. You uh, know, like the Twilights or whatever it is. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so we're gonna move on this time. Talk about some more money. And originally, uh, we'll we'll talk about this first, and then we'll get to to some of the uh, the other news. But Duke this year has the second coming of the Fab Five it's and it's and led by Zion Williamson Zion and this dude has been a legend for since he was in ninth grade that's when I first started saying I've this been like, following him for three years yeah when he was in ninth grade I'm, I remember going like they must have put the wrong print on there there's, there's no way that this dude is in ninth grade you know I <laughs> saying? the way he was dunking and the yeah. way that like, he was kind of soft and chubby but that joke he could jump out of the gym yeah like it, it just it just threw me off so Duke led by Zion uh, a couple weeks ago went to play the, I think they were number one in the country Virginia was number three in the country or they were number two and Virginia was number three and uh, the tickets for that game were going for roughly like two thousand dollars crazy you know then you had LeBron James was there mm-hmm. uh, Rondo was there. Grant Hill was there, Calvin Hill was there, Raph Sampson was there. Like there was all these this publicity coming to this game.
1: You would think it was a Laker game or something.
0: Dude, what are you saying? Like it was <laughs> like I, like my son is a second year student at UVA, and he texted me and said, "Dad, this is the biggest game I've ever been to oh, he in went my to life." the game too. Yeah, because huh? he's a student, you nice. know. And he was like, he just started taking pictures of everybody. That was there and he was just like this is even bigger than you know we went to the super bowl in arizona with the seahawks and he was like "Dad, this is this is bigger than that because like i'm right here and they're right there you That's know That's awesome and so and so those tickets were you know in the low 2000s and then um just last night uh the duke played north carolina
1: mm-hmm.
0: and um they were saying that the tickets were going for 20 the, the cheapest available ticket at one point was $2500 2500 the most expensive ticket for that game was over $10,000 you're talking about super bowl type money crazy and i also had- i also heard that a guy from seattle
1: flew himself and his family out to the game per- purchased four tickets and the flight spent over 12k That's didn't crazy. even go to duke or Virginia, not even alumni, yeah. At least being alum, maybe yeah. I, you can kind of justify that, but he's that's just how to special be in the building. he wants to be in there, and that's how special this group is with Zion and the crew.
0: Well, last well, at, at the Duke Carolina game, uh, former president Obama I saw that was, was sitting there, yep. and then I think they said Ken Griffey Jr. was in the building. So, like, these these guys are drawing major uh audiences and 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 major uh high, high level individuals to the game, and when I th- when I see all that money, Mike, the first thing I think about is like, man, what part of that does Zion get?
1: Please. You Come on saying? now, why, why, the are they, J- 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 why are they going to this game? They're not. Yeah. They're not going.
0: Shusseski, I love you. Right. They're not going for you because oh. they, they didn't show up like that last yeah. year. Sure didn't. Right. And they're not, they're not coming because the, edu- the the academics are great at Duke either. Nope. They're not coming for the scenery of the beautiful <laughs> campus. <laughs> I know. Yeah. What's it? Cameron Indoor is that what That's <laughs>
1: called. They're not. I know that's an historical <laughs> right. landmark. They ain't coming for that either. No, they're not. They coming for. They're
0: coming for them dudes. And so my question to you, Big Mike, is. um what, where do you sit on this on this idea of some way uh, paying the players? I know they have a process in place now where they get a certain amount of money. Uh, but wh- where do you sit with all of that? Man, so
1: I'll use myself as an example. okay? When I was in college two thousand four to eight, my stipend was about seven hundred eighty bucks a month. That took care of my rent, some food, and maybe my cell phone bill, gas after that. Mom and Dad, where you at? I go to these football games, right? I wore the number five. This number five jersey's all <laughs> in the stands, and I'm kids are coming up to me with my jersey on. Can you sign this? I'm young for sure, man. Sign it. I'm never gonna turn down a kid. Right. As I get older, I'm like that jersey cost seventy five dollars. Can I? Can a brother get three percent? Like, I give know, me some. Right? Why do you think they're buying that can jersey? I get the taxes? They're not. They're not buying it because it's it's a nice jersey. They're buying it because of the guy who's wearing the jersey. Right. The school is printing that jersey because of the guy who's wearing the jersey. So we're just being exploited. So there needs to be some kind of compensation. I know people are gonna say, well, it's not fair that. Little Johnny who comes off the bench doesn't get this. Little Johnny ain't attracting
0: ten thousand people to but a little game. Little Johnny hasn't blown up the bookstore either. Exactly. Like you you know, know what I mean? On
1: campus. Exactly. Yeah. Little Johnny ain't windmilling from from <laughs> half court.
0: <laughs> right. You know. Yeah. So
1: I get where people are gonna be like, it's not fair. But life ain't fair, right? If right. we do the same job and you're better at it, you should get paid more. Right. It is what it is. If you're if you're in sales, because that's all these athletes are. They're in sales pretty much. Yeah. Okay. I'm selling myself in the university so you guys can come in Purchase tickets And make the school money In any sales job There is commission Give the man some commission Give all those boys A piece of the pie Right And you'll be fine I'm not saying They need to be paid Like professionals Right But they, they need should a li- share In, the, in yeah. the profits They need a little more Than you know Just the average student The average student Is probably gonna go off And make a lot of money In their life you go to Duke that's a great school Well
0: I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm gonna double dutch you again Double dutch it And the devil's advocate Showed up again He's here and he would say, well, Michael Bumpus, uh, these athletes get their education paid for, they get, the, they, because they have that exposure on campus, they get this notoriety and all these different kinds of things maybe they get. So what would, you speak, what would you say to the folks that would say uh, that, they, that they get what they deserve? Like they, they're getting this free education, mm-hmm. t- top-notch you know, university mm-hmm. access to, to alums that other uh, students may not have access to. Mm-hmm. How would you speak to that? So I would say
1: yes, they are getting scholarships. There are also academic scholarships out there where kids go to school for day and they're free. Also, what's what they get paid two hundred fifty thousand dollars maybe towards their academics? Zion grows more than that in the first his first game well, guaranteed. Well, well so we want to talk numbers really throw the numbers out there don't just say oh well they get this and they get that yeah they get that they work for that they provide a service that the university wants and desires therefore they should get paid now the university also wants really smart kids to come to their schools. That's why you get a 4.0 and a perfect SAT, hey, we'll pay for you to come to our school. When you leave and get a great job, just drop our name a few times. Right. It's the same thing. Yeah. You know, there's there's different levels to this. And now the kids in the middle are the ones who are kinda, or are, I feel like are the parents of the better ones. Like, mm-hmm. man, my kid had his 3A and grinded and went to school, and I get it, be mad. It is what it is, but is your son really smart? He's smart, but he's not the elite, and he's not an elite athlete. He's somewhere in the middle. That is life. Right. People people get too caught up in this, right? There's there's some people who, who live in Kirkland off the water in this
0: beautiful setting,
1: you know, and then there's, and there's some people, people who, like like who, live who live in, in Woodville
0: in, in a 700-square-foot, one-bedroom apartment. Yeah, but
1: I, I, feel, like, I feel like that's <laughs> by choice, though, okay? <laughs> but then there's people who live, you know,
0: down south. Twenty miles away from the water,
1: right? You know, just because of circumstances, like there's just this is life. Well, man. speaking
0: of water, this has always been, and I agree with you 100. This is this has always been my an analogy of it. When people say uh, first, first when they say it's a privilege, not a, not a right, mm-hmm. I disagree with that because it's not a privilege. It's a it's a contract. It is a contract. Like you say, you sign that letter of intent or that scholarship, and you say this is what I'm going to do, mm-hmm. and and in turn, this is what you're going to do. That's a contract. Yep. That's not a privilege or right. And they it's, can eliminate contract. that contract whenever and they, they feel like it. they can eliminate it whenever they feel like it. The second thing is the folks that say, oh, well, you're getting this you know, $200,000 education. Okay, well, most athletes, at least on the football team, basketball team, and probably women's basketball, um, because of the time demands of, of, of the sport, coupled with the time demands of college mm-hmm. and the scheduling, you don't have access to the entire college. True. Right? So l- imagine if you live, you're going down on down here in Kirkland, and you're going to buy a house on the lake. And they said, you know what? Like, uh, the house is, every house on this lake is $3 million. Mm-hmm. Yours is $3 million. However, you don't get to use the lake. You don't get to put your boat in it. You don't get to canoe in it. Mm-hmm. You don't get to swim in it. But you're going to you're the same price for every house. You're still paying $3 million. It's like, well, no. Well, my house will be lessened or cheapened, cheapened because I don't get to use the lake. Mm-hmm. That's it. If you look at the college like at Lake, it's the same thing. You don't have access to the entire lake. There, there's, there's majors at UVA that you can't, they won't even allow you to consider because of the time command, yep. the demands of it. And so, so, when people say, like, oh, we get this free education, you get free education. And on the, dis- on the limited version. Yeah. Right? There's a few. That's why the <laughs> dudes major in all the same stuff yeah. all the time because uh-huh. those are the classes that are available. Those are the majors that are available. Those are the ones that can allow you to w- have some balance between school and mm-hmm. being able to perform. It's like when, perform you,
1: ac- when you get that unlimited data plan. Yeah. Uh, but it's not really unlimited because <laughs> right. once you hit a certain spot, <laughs> yeah. you got to re-up exactly. and get some more. And, yeah, and so I feel you. That, that's,
0: that's the second one. The, the third one is I, don't, I would rather them, instead of giving these stipends that they give now, I think a, a better deal to do so that the dudes that are in the middle are the middle class that may not be the dude that's getting all the, the credit and all that stuff on, on the, these teams, I think they should set up a trust fund. And if you graduate within five years, mm-hmm. then you have access to that trust fund. I like that. And then whatever money goes into that trust fund is the money that your jersey generates, mm-hmm. or that you can generate, you know, that, okay, the, that the school is generating out of marketing. Okay. However, if you don't graduate in the six years, then that money goes back into the pool. I like and that. You don't, you don't get access mm-hmm. to it. And so then that it keeps the that's a way to keep the pool built up mm-hmm. to keep giving the money out. But it's also a way to incentivize. Uh, graduation, Exactly. You know, especially for our African-American brethren, you know, so that they, these one and dones are great for the people that do the one and done and succeed, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of one and dones that are trying to make it in Europe or in the D league and all these different kinds of things. And they live on, they hold on to this, this dream for a long time. And before you know it, they're close to 30 years old. Their career hasn't gone anywhere. They haven't made any money. And now they have to figure out what to do and they don't have a college degree. Yep. And so I, to me, it's not necessarily paying them as much as it is like compensation, you know, and it's and it's all tied up into a trust fund. that's based on you graduating within five years from the from the time you enter. Uh, you have five years to graduate, and you get access to that money. So I like that. So, you need to write that up, man. You know, Send I mean, that I to mean, somebody. I mean, you know, I do what I do, Big Mike. You know, <laughs> sometimes there used to be uh, who was it? Um, forget the old school rap, rapper uh, KRS One. Was it that said, "I think very deeply." Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I kind of yeah. engage you. my inner KR, KRS-1 every we, we now and We need again. to put that
1: on your Twitter. Yeah. And, or, or, Big Ray
0: 72, I think, very deeply. Well, you know, Saturday Night Live also had the John Handy deep thoughts. Yeah. You know, so, you uh-huh. know, I'm just saying, like, I'm, I'm that <laughs> dude. Like, every now and then I do get away from this old uh, football, you know, football sports thing and, and put some thought into something. Which then I want to put thought into this. Since we're talking about that money, mm-hmm. the, the, the game the other night. Big buildup. like I said, Obama was there. Tickets ten thousand dollars. King Griffey Junior there, and the first thirty seconds of the game, Zion Williams slips, foot goes through his shoe, mm-hmm. and then a thing on his left foot, and then he has a mild sprain in his right knee. Yep. And so he's he's out indefinitely until they figure out you know what the, what the injury is. One, if you are Nike right now, mm-hmm. and your shoe is just being played over and over and over and look at the Nike symbol and over and over and this dude I didn't even realize until like after the game seriously that his foot had gone through the shoe ripped through it and so so Nike's you know I don't know if it's a result of it but their stock was down a little bit this morning so their money is kind of wavering mm-hmm. how should Zion Williams protect his money should he should he fight to come back and be part of something great where they could possibly win the national championship or should he sit back and say, you know what, I'm just going to prepare for the draft, get myself healthy. What do you think, if you were Zion Williams, how would you handle that money? If I am Zion, it depends on the severity of the injury, right? If it's
1: a a mild spring. A mild spring, me personally, I'm 18, 19 years old, I'm coming back and I'm playing. You know, because at that age, unless you have the right people around you, the light at the end of the tunnel is far as heck. Whereas Zion's light at the end of the tunnel is right around the corner. So I'm pretty sure he has people in his camp saying, hey, just sit out. Sit out. Scotty Pimpin went on air and said, mm-hmm. hey, he shouldn't even play this year. He's done what he's done. He's proven. And then Zion comes back and says, hey, man, I'm here to play. Sounding right. like an 18-, 19-year-old. Right. Like we got some 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 Mormons who went on a mission and come back at 22 and then their seniors <laughs> at 25. <laughs> right. They probably, you know, they're a little more mature, right. and, and they might switch it up. But if I am Zion, I'm sitting out the rest of the season. Um, if I'm Zion now, it's tough, man, because at the end of the day, he's an athlete, he's a competitor, and he wants a national championship. Yeah. And he has – The odds are in his favor as far as getting a national championship. So it comes down to what are your goals in life. And the great ones write down their goals and they check them off. I wrote down my goals when I was young. Check them off. Pretty sure national championship – it's something that he wants to do. Uh, My advice to him would just be: make sure you're a hundred percent ready to you go. Come back. Don't rush it. You don't need to. You got guys on your team that can probably get out of the first two rounds if need be. Mm-hmm. Just make sure you're ready to go and protect your investment, which is your body.
0: Yeah, and, and it, it, I would say too, like when you watch that group, they have three potential. You know, I mean, Reddick, Barrett, and and Williamson, are all lottery picks. Yep. Like probably three of the top five picks in the draft. Yep. And the thing that's really cool about them is they, the, what they remind me so much about the the Fab Five is that those dudes really pull for each other. Yeah. Like if it was like a dog-eat-dog dog world and they were all wearing Milk Bone underwear, <laughs> then I could see <laughs> Zion looking at them in the face and just being like, bro, I'm out. Mm-hmm. But I feel like he, his desire to to be part of that and to, and to be part of something special mm-hmm. is, is, is probably what's going to have him come back. And then the other thing that Jalen Rose made a good point about is that It was a non-contact injury. So what do you think he's going to be doing as he's sitting out? He's going to be rehabbing, working on his game. He's going to be running and lifting and sprinting. Mm -hmm. So what's to say that it won't happen, you know, that he can't also get hurt during during training. It's not like he got run over by a couple dudes or, you know, got knocked down. It was a
1: non-contact, but it was influenced by a product, right? Because if
0: if that shoe doesn't – bust or
1: break or whatever he's all right so right like it's non-contact but that shoe has something to do with it. i would
0: say i would say just the trend at least in football where you saw bosa do it from ohio state got injured just set out the rest of the year Mm -hmm. football obviously going to be banging people all the time like just 300 pound guys running into 300 pound guys yeah basketball uh you can i mean not that he would back off from how he plays but I, I think that he has a chance to come back and play and be healthy and not worry about it. Yeah. I, I would say my my heart, because I, I hate to say it, I like watching that that team play, even though I hate Duke. My heart wants him to come back because I just want to see what they can do. Yeah. But then like this this closet agent of mine and you know, that wants me to say like hey, bro, let's, let's just have a talk. Yeah. Let's just talk yeah. about, like, maybe coming back. So, I don't know. It's, it's, it's going to be, it, like you said, it's, it's a really interesting conversation, especially the way things are trending. The money is so big. He's, like, for the most part, the overwhelming number one pick in the draft. Oh, yeah. But uh, it's, it's going to be something in. interesting to follow. So, uh, so we've gotten, what, that's four money bags down now. we got Russell, Frank, Nike, Zion. Oh, and then we got the NCAA money. So that's five monies we got down. So we're going to step away for just a few more minutes and come back with more Big Ray and Bumpus. Yes, sir.
1: What's going on, folks? This is Michael Bumpus of the Big Ray and Bumpus Show. We're moving on to the next segment. We're going to go to the NFL right now. We're going to talk a little Jalen Ramsey. This guy probably talks the most trash in all of the NFL. Love it. And he can back it up low key, though, too. Yeah, He's I good mean, yeah you,
0: can't, you can't talk a whole lot of trash and not yeah, back it up. You yeah. can talk a little bit of trash, uh-huh. but at some point, you gotta the rubber yeah. has to meet the room. And
1: what I like about him, too, is that he talks a lot of trash, but then when his team wasn't doing so well, he kind of simmer down a little bit, you know yeah. what I mean. Then he picks it up as his team and his play is nah, doing man, good. man, talk
0: that trash the, all the way, all, all the way. Yeah, don't all don't simmer down.
1: No, nah, I'm a I'm a I'm like a I'm a pinpoint trash talker. Yeah, like you hey, you, I'm you can't be the front runner trash talker, bro. You got to be the you
0: like. There's a, a there's a, uh, a Christian song that says uh, I'm an on time God. Like you got to be an on time trash talker on-time, all the time. Tr- all like, the man, time. Like yeah, you can't just show up when you want to. And if you're gonna if you're gonna talk it, you got to walk it all the time.
1: I can get with that all right so Jalen Ramsey uh, talked a lot of trash about Josh Allen before and during the 2018 football season Called him trash you know he he ranks all these quarterbacks and when it came to Josh Allen he called him straight trash so recently a fan had Josh Allen sign a picture and it said Jalen am I still trash and he signed it Jalen caught a wind of it and his answer simply was yes (laughs) that's it Nothing else, didn't get too deep, didn't get ph- philosophical. he just said yes. So my question to you is, Ray, um, do you like when players talk trash? One. And two, who did you play against uh, in NFL or any league? I don't care. Let's pick up basketball. What guy did you go up against? Who talked the most trash?
0: Well, l- let me just rewind back to last week. All right? Remember we were talking about on the basketball court? Yeah. And when you're in the neighborhood? Yeah. And you got the dude that wears a corduroy pants and no no shirt, shirt, belt. That guy may not say a whole lot, Mm -hmm. but the dudes you grew up with, Mike, and you know this. I mean, you can call it a cultural thing or whatever. All I know is the neighborhood I grew up in. Mm -hmm. It was a really tough neighborhood in Asheville, North Carolina, Mm -hmm. of all places. It was our. We were in West Asheville, and it got. If you could survive athletically in West Asheville, mm-hmm. then you 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 had something to say cuz we we called it West Hell. West Hell. Like and we had our own little basketball team, the jerseys were the color of fire. Really? Yeah.
1: Y'all, y'all was for we real. Were for
0: real. <laughs> and so you grew up talking trash was just like learning how to dribble. Mm-hmm. Like you had to learn how to talk trash. Yeah. You know, and so, and if you couldn't talk trash, you might eat. it didn't matter how good you were, you might get talked right off the court. Yes, sir. And so People that say like, "Oh man, these kids are just immature and they're brash and all this other kind of stuff." It's like, bro, this is like, I grew. That's how I grew up. Like, you talk trash about talking trash. You know what <laughs> I'm mean? saying? Like, like, you you didn't even have to be playing anything. You're just uh, you're just critiquing somebody else's yeah.
1: trash talking game. You know you what trash talking? Like when I greet my boys, I haven't seen them in a while. That's the first thing we do. <laughs> what up, you old So and so, so and so. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, that's just yeah. that's that's kind of how we show love yeah. and how. We uh we we can prey on you too, especially in competition. Yeah. And I think that's what Jalen does. He tries to prey on you and, and get in your head. Michael Jordan, the biggest trash talker of all time. Right. Preyed on people. Tiger Woods is a trash talker. Yeah. I don't know if people I mean, know La- about they
0: that. They say Larry Bird was the, had the sharpest yeah. tongue oh, in yeah. the NBA. Oh yeah. yeah. And so so and so trash talking just comes with the territory. So you're okay man. with it? Absolutely fine with it. I love like I is love there it. is there a limit to it or you just go? The, the only limit is like what we talked about last last week when uh Joel Adeeb just mm-hmm. goes, just it, he creates drama with it yeah. versus like just having good strong fun lighthearted you know trash talking i think Jay uh, you know jalen ramsey like uh, underneath all of that is like him just trying to get under your skin. I don't know that he he wants you to really take it personally. Yeah. Like even even uh what, what was the quarterback's name in Buffalo? Josh, uh, Allen. Josh Allen. Even for him just to play along with it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Kind of take some of the sting out mm-hmm. of it, you know? And uh but I liked when he listed all the quarterbacks and gave you and like and yeah. he said it with a freaking straight face. Straight like face. didn't laugh or anything, but uh I talked trash when I played as much as I could. Like, like it was a tactic to get inside your head. Mm-hmm. I, I, I gave dude cheap shots, like all kinds of things, to try to get them to. If I could get a defender to think that he could just kick my ass, then he's not thinking about getting to the quarterback. Yeah, make my job a lot easier. Exactly. I'm six, you know, six six, three hundred twenty pounds, strong, athletic. If you're gonna just try to run down the middle of me, yeah, okay, let's now do. You're that. making it personal. You're done. Yeah, it's done. Yeah. And so when you ask who's there is no trash talker on the face of the earth. There may be some that are as good as, mm-hmm. but they're not better than John Randall. John Randall. Oh John yeah. Randall, oh yeah. Like, and I, I'm sure. That <laughs> I'm sure if the dudes like Mike Salk and and uh, and, and Luke uh, Brock cured, uh, if they're listening to this, they'll, they'll know that like I am everything. Uh, uh, John Randall fan. To me, he's the, he's the best player I've ever played against. Mm-hmm. Um, he's for a surefire, you know, you know, Hall of Fame uh, deserving player that you know, is already in the Hall of Fame. But this dude would do research on your family. Oh yeah. So during the game, make it personal. Hey Ray, tell Beth I said happy birthday. Ooh. Hey Ray, tell Reagan and Slade I know Ooh. their birthdays are gonna be in March. This like this dude would have all this research about your family and. Since we're on this podcast, I'm going to tell this story. Tell it. Okay. So, one time, we're playing the, the Vikings, and we had, we had double teamed him when he was playing inside over the guard, like mm-hmm. the previous game. And so, this game, they decided, you know what? If we put him on the outside, then it's harder for them to double team because mm-hmm. we didn't really play with a tight end. And so, it, he would be one-on-one with, with, with the tackles. And so, he ended up playing against me the whole time. And I would gladly say in eight games or something, I think I gave up one sack to John Randall, uh, but didn't mean that he wasn't close a lot of times. Yeah. And so he was talking trash. And I, and uh, and so so finally, <laughs> one day he said, hey, Ray. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I can tell you. Kind of phrase another. it right? Yeah. i tried try to phrase it right. But he was like, uh, hey, Ray. I slept with your wife last night. Aw, nah, damn. And I was just like, I know that he isn't like being serious. He's just, you know, trying to get under my head. Yeah. So I didn't take it personally. And I was like, and I was like, oh yeah? I, I, she must have been like, Pretty good, and he goes, "Nah, she sucked just like you do." <laughs> oh, he set you up. Oh, he, he set, set me you up. up big time, dude. And, I, and like I was like, "John, you are so silly, dude. Like you were one of the." And I was just, I, st- I was, it was in between quarters. Yeah. So I'm walking with him, and I just started laughing. I'm like, "Dude, you're you're, you're a silly dude." And then another time, I caught a cramp in the game. I was on the uh, on the ground, and he was standing over me. The, the 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 trainers had come out, and he goes, "Big man." I'm like, "What's up, man?" He goes. That's what you get for eating that porterhouse steak at Morton's last night. <laughs>
1: did you really? I did.
0: Wow. And I was just, i looked up at this joker like, how, "How did you wow. know what I, I ate? I he, had a porterhouse steak He got at people. Morton's. He yeah. got people. And so the, the depth of his research and the way he would come at you and and mold that into his trash talking yeah. was incredible. But it was also entertaining. Like I like I'm a dude like I trash talk too, so I never like took anything personally because yeah. I just knew it was just field the play. Because once mm-hmm. he came to uh, Seattle played here, ended his career here. I got to know him, nicest dude in the world. Yeah. Super mellow dude, soft spoken, humble guy. But when he got on the field, he was just a different cat. And so uh but I John Randall to me may not have been the most gifted guy I ever played against. Mm-hmm. Definitely the hardest working player I've ever seen in my life. Okay. Nobody outworked him on the field. All right. Win lose a draw. And one of the Top-notch Hall of Fame trash talkers as well
1: for sure. So you don't mind trash talk, and Randall's your guy. So on my side, I don't mind trash talk either. I'm the, like I said, I'm the pinpoint trash talker. I don't talk a lot, but I hit you with a jab every quarter. What,
0: what, what is it? what? So you like the Floyd Mayweather of trash talk? No, I'm like I'm What's like the, the guy. counter puncher?
1: Yeah, I'm am a counter puncher. <laughs> I, you don't mess with me, I ain't messing with you. As soon as you say something to me, then I'm, I'm gonna get you back. And I'm not I'm not gonna be all demonstrative about it i'm right. gonna walk by and call your name and walk back to the huddle you I know what you. i mean so and the
0: i tried to think who, like to like drive by a fly like a drive
1: by you know
0: you yeah. little, little mm. yeah
1: you know got you there mm. you know what i <laughs> mean so hit you with something but you. the i thought about what player talked the most crap and i couldn't i couldn't pinpoint it but i can tell you what organization the whole usc fight on their team the fans so I committed to USC before I committed to Washington State and I decommitted last second signed to Washington State my first game at USC uh, was my sophomore year no my junior year you would think these fans would have forgot about me decommitting and they did not I walk out to the field bump is you bleep how's your mom Renee doing I bet she does bleep your grandma, they knew my grandma's nickname. My grandma's <laughs> name is Claudette. Her nickname is Love. Grandma Love, bleep, bleep, bleep. And then I get on the field, Ray Malauuga talking crap. Oh, yeah. That's why your bleep ain't here. But I mean, it was like, it was amazing. We right. now. Now, they're number one in the country. They beat us, but I still went for 115 and a touchdown. So, I'm like, hey, (laughs) hey, you talk all that crap, I'm going to back it up with my play. And then I couldn't talk too much crap because they was beating our ass. You know what I mean? It's like, all right, I can only talk a little bit because y'all smacking us. But USC, by far, the most intense trash-talking organization I've ever played against. So that's our uh, that's our trash talk, Jalen Ramsey. Uh, we got one more segment we're gonna touch, and we get back, like we said before. This is the Big Ray and Bumpus show. Back at you in a second. On it down.
0: Remember, you can follow us and find this episode and others on our Twitter accounts at BigRay72, at MichaelBumpus5, and on our podcast Twitter account at BigRayandBumpus.
1: All right. So we're getting into our last segment here. We are socially conscious. Absolutely. Can't, do it, it. Can't do it without it. Can't do without it. Um, so we're going to talk about Black History Month. It is February and what it means to us, right? So Black History Month to me is the month of February. The month of February to me means my wife's birthday, <laughs> my aunt's birthday, my cousin's birthday, my grandma's birthday, and Valentine's yes, Day. Yes. I was about if he forgets Valentine's Day, oh no, I, I wouldn't be married ten years <laughs> if I forgot Valentine's <laughs> Day. Um, and also Black History Month. and You know, before the show, we talk about what we're going to talk about, and Ray uh, posed the question, what does Black History Month mean to me? And my response initially in my head was, as I get older, it means less. And this is why it means less. When you're young we're not taught about Black History Month in school, or Black History in general. They'll touch it here and there, but when February comes, it's a focus. And ever since I was in grade school, I knew that February we are gonna learn about all the big hitters, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, Harry Tubman, Rosa Parks, all those big names. Um, But as I got older, it meant less, because I felt like I had the responsibility as an adult African American to do research on my own. I got to college, that was the first time. I could take three classes, Uh, Focus on uh, cultural, ethnic studies. Um, So as an adult, I feel like the month is important because it recognizes Black History Month to the masses. But if you are an African American, it's your duty to learn more about yourself Every day, as much as possible. You know, I get on social media. I follow so many social media accounts where they talk about black history every day. So every day I try to learn something about um, our past and our people that I didn't know. I respect Black History Month um, because my kids, you know, they're in school now. They're like, Dad, it's Black History Month. They get excited. I'm like, yeah, Black History Month. Let's talk about this. But as an adult... It's just another month to me because I feel a responsibility to continue my education about our history on our own. Love the month, but it does not determine how deeply I get into Black history.
0: I feel you, Big Mike. And you know, the thing that's sad is, um, you know, my my older son or my middle son, Slate, uh, was at Woodenville High School, and he and his buddies had to do uh, uh, this report. I think they could just pick the topic. It wasn't a February thing. And they wanted to do this this report on the Harlem Renaissance. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't find it anywhere in their textbooks. I think that I think Slate said it was maybe like one or two paragraphs or something about yeah. it. Which is sad because that was such a big piece of of, of our history. And you know, we we're creating our own voice, our own music, mm-hmm. you know, you know, being able to uh, take a stand on, on things and our own businesses, the way Harlem was popping off and all those kinds of things. And so it was interesting that that they didn't have that. And then my, my younger son, Price, right now uh in eighth grade you know out in the north shore school district was like you know we, he didn't feel like they spent enough time talking about the the history of african-american uh, in our country mm-hmm. uh but however i agree with you like it's our responsibility to kind of find those things i try to search those things out i, I have a reading list for my son you know and sometimes he's like dad like i got this other school work do i have to do this <laughs> absolutely absolutely you do uh there's a program here called uh rainier scholars that I've worked for that do a great job It's an academic and college enrichment program for, young, um, for low-income kids of color who are first-generation college candidates. And the, the, some of the core readings in that book is, are the um, Autobiography of Frederick Douglass mm-hmm. and a, uh, an illustrative book of Nat Turner. And so it just talks about those are the foundations of that whole program. Uh, when I think about Black History Month, I don't necessarily think about and focus on the history. It's, it's a self-check time for me mm-hmm. because it becomes important to to act upon the history and the knowledge that you have. And then even, you know, you know, a lot of people, you know, drum up Martin Luther King during this time and in the dream and all that kind of stuff. And it's like it's important that the dream becomes something. It has to be become something that's doable or that you are doing. Otherwise, dreams just produce more dreams, mm-hmm. hopes produce more hopes. But doing Produces something, yeah, and so I use it as a self-check moment for me to see like what history am I making? I like it. You see what I'm saying? Like yeah. because you're you're gonna make history one way or the other. Mm-hmm. How are you making it in a way that is benefiting uh, you know people of color that's benefiting marginalized populations? And so you know the work I get paid to do with uh, Special Olympics. Um, it's a passion, but some people look at it and go, Well, you're doing it because you're getting paid to do it. But there is so much work that I do outside of that, mm-hmm. that the Special Olympics opens doors for me to do this other work that I'm passionate about. The phone calls that I answer, like, you know, on a monthly basis, you know, to, to sit with a, an individual or meet with someone or speak to an organization mm-hmm. um, to do some work. There's There's a lot of, you know, Facebook pages, Twitter accounts, like, everyone is talking, doing so much negativity and just trashing what other people are doing or whether they're doing it the right way or not the right way. I'm more interested in what people are doing. Like, I, what are you doing to, to make something better for someone else? Whether it's yourself that then makes it better for your family or mm-hmm. someone in the community or what have you. Like, so, so that's, those are the things that are important to me. And that's why I do the self-check when it comes February. Like, yeah, I have my eye on and, and honoring the history, but. The best way you can honor the history is to keep making history. I like and it. And so that's the way I envision uh, Black History Month, Martin Luther King birthday celebration, all those different kinds of any of those kind of ethnic opportunities or, or moments or cultures or celebrations. I use them as moments of reflection to see how am I how am I adding to the game or yeah. am I just sitting on the sideline? Are you contributing to this dream to this idea? Yeah, am I a spectator idea? or a participant? Yeah. You know, spectators Mm -hmm. focus on what was and what could be and dreams, and and participants get in the game. They they, they get in there, win, lose, a draw. I'm 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 going out here to make something happen. So uh, that's what I think of when I think of Black History Month. Uh, Big Mike, I think this concludes. I think that's it. Our third episode. Close us out, Ray. Money, 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 money. Money.
1: Yeah. So
0: remember, you can find us uh, on Twitter at BigRay72, at Michael Bumpus Five, and at Big Ray and Bumpus on Twitter account. And then also uh, engage the Anchor Podcast um, website, and we should be on all of their affiliates with uh, Spotify and i uh, iPod, iPodcast, iPodcast, uh, and uh, just keep you know listening, tuning in. Even on our our, uh, our accounts, give us some feedback of what you hear, and maybe throw out some topics like that it. we that uh, that you want us to cover. Yeah, uh, we're trying to really do this thing big and 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 be entertaining, informational, and educational all at the same time. Ooh, so, that was clean. You know I like how you put that that's, together. That's, that's kind of how I do it, Mike. Right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that's one of those things. I have the gift of gab. So, I mean, use that <laughs> gift of gab to roll us right on out of here. Until next time, peace. Holla.